America's favorite archaeologist, adventurer, and Nazi puncher rides again. <laughs> Indiana Jones, The Dial of Destiny. This is the Untitled Film Project Podcast. You, have we met? My memory's a little fuzzy. Are you still a Nazi? Will we have the thrill of the original Indiana Jones trilogy and completely forget the fourth movie, Crystal Skull? Uh, we'll find out, but uh, we also want to preview our big question for this episode. Sticking with the theme of Dial of Destiny, if you could go back and witness one historical event, knowing that you being there would not influence anything in history, what event would you want to witness? Be a fly on the wall. All right. I'm excited about this one. Me too. <laughs> All right, let's get our initial takes on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Justin B. Bradford. Well, first off, this is better than Crystal Skull. Setting the bar very low here. Definitely yeah. two is better than Crystal Skull. <laughs> but at least I want to give the listeners something to at least be hopeful for. <laughs> no, that, that's fair. Everyone's, everyone's asking, is it at least better than Crystal Skull? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, I feel like overall... This movie did have some issues. It definitely had some issues present in terms of length of the film, some of the CGI. But overall, I feel like I could rightfully say that they've redeemed the franchise enough to close it out with Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones with this film. Because they didn't retcon anything, but they at least explained a few things. They got to the path to where it felt more like an adventure film without having to just throw in special effects for the sake of throwing in special effects, like in Crystal Skull. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the, the cinematography matched, the color schemes matched more of the Indiana Jones feel of adventure and ruggedness. Um, the lines were there again, some of the witty lines from Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. I feel like he and Phoebe Waller-Bridge meshed fairly well together. I like Mads Mikkelsen as as the Nazi in yeah, this one. As, <laughs> that, as that the bad guy. Punch, as the bad guy. Uh, there are obviously some kooky moments, but when you think back to those Indiana Jones films that we love, they're kooky in a lot of ways they end, so I'm okay with that. That's true. Just Crystal Skull took it to a whole other level of kooky that we did not like overall. But I feel like the music... <laughs> we as the nation. As the yeah, as everyone, this show. Everyone. Yeah, the population yeah. Earth. <laughs> so while it did have its issues, I feel like overall this redeems the franchise enough for me to have an overall positive feeling from this film. Excellent. Okay. I, you know, had heard going into this movie that there was so much trouble with this film. Uh, there were stories of, you know, test screenings in which the audience hated it. And then they would reshoot things and they would re-edit. And that there was a story that they five times they changed this movie radically. <laughs> and every time the audience score went down. So I guess my, <laughs> my expectations was like, okay, we're going to go see just, you know, a train wreck of cinema. And I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, while I have some definite problems with some of this movie, uh, I had some of the original thrill uh, from the, the Indiana Jones movies that we beloved, and uh, I was generally full of adrenaline for a lot of the action scenes. I thought the, the chemistry between Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Harrison Ford were pretty good. Uh, we'll get into how I felt about the de-aged Harrison Ford. Um, I, there's some interesting stuff there, and I'm <laughs> conflicted. But, you know, uh, besides a few real problems I have with this movie, 
I enjoyed it. I really felt like I went to go see what they originally meant to do with the Indiana Jones franchise, which is you're going to see fun, swashbuckling, Saturday morning serial entertainment, which is what like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg set out to do when they made this. And like, I thought a lot of that came back. So I also agree that this kind of, you know, I guess cleaned off the reputation of the Indiana <laughs> Jones franchise after Crystal Skull. There's no question that the reputation of the entire saga was tarnished by one movie. The first movie is a banger. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> okay, now it's got its problems because it's in the 80s and it's the, the sure. age of the film. But overall, it's super fun, super awesome, right? It's really, really cool. The second movie, eh, take it or leave it. But the third movie, I think, is the best of the five. And it's so, so fun, so funny, so great, so creative. And the fourth movie is... We just talked about that. So then the fifth movie now, it's like, okay, as good as the first three were, especially one and three, mm -hmm. the fourth one was so bad, it brought down the entire saga. And that is very hard to do. Right. So I was pleasantly surprised is not the word I want to use. I was flabbergasted this movie was worth anything. Because I, too, was worried about the five rewrites and reshoots and re-edits and re-screenings. And every, they hated it more every time and blah, blah. It's like, oh, my God. There was actually some talk, Jim, as I'm sure you can remember, mm -hmm. of putting this directly to Disney+. Plus. Yes. That's yeah. how bad the screenings were. It was like, is this even going to be a movie? They were terrified at the boardroom level yes. of... of you know, the, the, the company, because they, they just didn't know what to do with it. Like, here's this beloved franchise, and, and do we just dump it? They didn't want to Batgirl it and then just shelve the whole project after it's finished. So they were like, well, let's just put it on Disney Plus and make it a, you know. And that's scary. When you have an Indiana Jones project that's not meant to be, it's supposed to be a theatrical release, obviously. And then they're like, mm, let's put it on Disney Plus and hopefully we'll just sneak it in. <laughs> that's really bad. So the fact that, again, it was... It was decent. It was. I, I had a good time for the most part. I, that's to me. It's a triumph. So uh, Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny to me is a. Again, it has its faults, but it, it's a, overall it's a winner. It's worth seeing. What, what a quote there, though, because we could see Gover's quote. It's a triumph being labeled as part of the marketing. Sure. <laughs> dot dot dot. They leave the rest of your review right. off. Yeah. It's and you know what? If they want to use it for the Blu-ray cover, okay. I'm happy to let them do that. <laughs> okay. In the name of the show. All right, let's go a little deeper. This movie starts with 25 minutes of a de-aged Harrison Ford going back to an adventure from the end of World War II. Uh, you know, he's trying to get stuff that the Nazis are plundering, and uh, we get to see Indy in his prime. What did you think? Were you thrilled to see a young Harrison Ford playing that? Uh, were you unsettled? Where were you on that? I don't think I was thrilled. I think it was neat is okay. the word that I would throw out. Uh, it's been interesting, though, for Harrison Ford because he's obviously getting interviewed a lot about this. He's obviously just in wonderment. Yeah. about how they have so much footage of him, how they're able to pull this off. So it's it's neat to hear the actress perspective who's still alive to see this because we see a lot of AIs. We've discussed AI generation of people that have passed on being utilized, but I think the actor still being alive and getting their perspective on it where he's okay with it and he thinks it's neat for the storytelling aspect. 
makes me feel more okay with it yep. because they're trying to tell this story still had old Harrison voice. So it's kind of interesting there. That that's where that's where it got a it little unsettling match. for me. It didn't match. I, I'm hearing curmudgeon Harrison Ford uh, as opposed to you know when Indiana Jones was first made. Uh, so it, it it there was a mismatch there and a little bit of I mean as great as technology has become, uh, they're still not able to capture I think eyes properly and eyes windows to the soul so i mean it, it, there was a little it, it was neat though i right. i also said this is cool to right. be able to see him at, at a younger age in fairness though you and i and maybe bradford to a point although i think you are an audiophile so we're going to pick up on things like that whereas my wife and my son didn't they don't they're not being like oh his voice is a little bit of more of a timbre that they don't see that, and maybe maybe they do. Maybe I'm, but I'm just. I know we are in a different boat because we are sure. audiophiles. So of course we're going to pick up on the nuance of. But I think the general sound. audience is going to be listening and watching for those because they but, know it's there. Okay, fine. All right, let me rephrase that then. Do you think the general audience cares? No, thank you. I don't think they'll overall care okay. as much. Thank you. Right. For, yes. Right. We're going to be a little more picky on that. For sure. Uh, I. To me, I really enjoyed that adventure segment. I loved going back in time. I think it was necessary for the rest of the movie. You had to relive the adventures that Indy had when he was in his prime, you know, full whip, full hat. And then you got to present day, which was 1969, Indiana Jones, you know, living in alone in his apartment in New York City, miserable because he's just teaching history to people that don't care. He's not doing any of the things he used to do. His marriage is over. He's lost his child. You know, I, to me, that was a, I think a really great way to start the movie, give you the thrills and then quick, give you a change up and say, here he is present day or at this age. Mm -hmm. I think it was actually pivotal for this movie because it's been 15 years mm -hmm. since Crystal Skull, a huge long break. And that's one of those things probably with Crystal Skull that had an issue because they're just jumping right into a story without any backstory when it had been, what, over 20 years? Yeah. Since there had been an Indiana Jones movie, there's no base for a story, whereas this gave us a basis for the story of what we're going to see for the, the, the piece of archaeological history as well, of why it's important, why the Nazis were involved in it. It gave us that baseline for the story that they could build upon that we didn't get in Crystal Skull. They just jump right into, oh, here's Shia LaBeouf's character, and he's a rebel, and then they're going to pair up, and then all of a sudden it turns out he's a son. Like, we didn't get any baseline yeah. in Crystal Skull. Here I actually enjoyed that flashback because then it just pops right into him living single old man life, fall asleep on his couch and getting curmudgeoned by his noisy neighbors. I mean, yep. I feel like it was a very important part of that story to set it up like that. I also liked the interplay between he and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, who is, I think, this really unique talent. I think she was perfectly cast in this movie because uh, she has this charisma, but she's also got a little mayhem, a little bit mm -hmm. of, you know, like, you can't trust me, but I'm also, like, sort of, you also can't stop paying attention to me. She's got that <laughs> uh, complicated persona uh, that she did so well in like Fleabag and some of the other things she's been noted for, which I liked that she wasn't a love interest for him. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, thank God. That was not a, you know, that was a good call. Not necessary. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody wanted to see that. Um, and 
We also had, you know, kind of a almost a dip into the short round thing where we have uh, Teddy, which is her young sidekick. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh, What did you think of Teddy? Was Teddy necessary? And, you know, is Teddy going to be used down the road? As the child actor authority, I will go first. Teddy was very (laughs) vanilla to me. Uh, The only reason he was even needed on screen at all is because they needed a third party to get them the tuck tuck or get them the you know or 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 be behind them when they were cornered at the gravesite and like they needed a third party to be able to get out of those situations mm-hmm. and that's his only purpose and you know he was fine there was nothing distracting about him as an actor but I it, it I don't want to say it was wasted because it's not necessary but I, you know I, there, there was not a whole lot to it. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily wasted or unnecessary, but more of it they needed that third party of a yeah. little bit of glue because, okay, who's going to get them out of the situation? Archimedes Tomb. Who's going to save them when they travel back in time? Spoilers. Who's right. going to save them? Who knows how to fly a plane? But at least they set the story that he's learning how to fly, even though he's never been in a plane. At least yeah. they kind of give a little bit of, I've never flown before, but he was taking lessons from a pilot just in sitting a, yeah, in a bar. in a Moroccan bar. So yeah, I've never yeah. flown before, but at least they set that story up for him, and they gave a story of she's basically helping to save him to live a little bit of a better life than he would have had. Mm-hmm. I don't think we see any future because the Indiana Jones franchise is not really known for connecting as much That's from true. one movie true. to the next, aside from Marion for the sake of, well, we need her theme to be played. Uh, right. But, or because they needed a sixth reshoot, or, and that's right. what they came up with. Or they needed a reason for them to divorce and then get back together and, and whatnot with the sun dying and all that stuff. So I don't think it's necessarily unnecessary. I think he was okay. He wasn't a distraction, as Gover said. Right. I think he played his role fine. I'm a huge Mads Nicholson fan, oh, yeah. and like I, I don't care if he plays the same kind of character <laughs> in every time. He's just so darn good at it and so enjoyable to watch on the screen that, you know, when I saw him in the, you know, first 25 minutes in the flashback, and then I see his head get demolished, I'm like, oh, no, we're not going to see Mads anymore. They had no explanation for the fact that his <laughs> face is beautiful and completely rebuilt, uh, you know, 40 years later, uh, but I was so glad to see him. I think he played it really well. I'll throw you a curveball. I don't think that was him that got his face smashed in. No? Because I have to go back and watch it to make sure. Okay, but he was definitely the one chasing him on the train and all that, right? But there were others there, okay? Mm -hmm. And then when they show Indy and the other guy, Boz, his name, come up out of the water, there's a third splash behind them. Hmm. And they never never address Mm. it. Okay, And so then all of a sudden he's back when they go to 1969, 1970, right? And I'm like, oh, he must have been the one that he must have jumped off at that time and splashed down. must have been somebody else who got their head knocked off. One of the problems I have with this movie is there's some lack of clarity here. (laughs) Yeah, there's some holes. And uh, one of those that uh, I felt was, okay, so we have... Mads Nicholson playing Dr. Schmidt, his, mm-hmm. you know, the, the guy who helps the United States get to the moon, but he's also surrounded by, like, Nazi guards, basically, and working with the CIA. Uh, I thought that was kind of a messy little plot that he was like, oh, you helped, they uh, got them to the moon, but now I'm going to get the dial of destiny. Uh, I just didn't see, like, why is the CIA involved here? And but isn't that from real life? 
Yes. If you watch the History Channel. And it did, it, <laughs> I mean, it, and it did get to that point in history, the late 60s, yeah. where CIA was doing some pretty dastardly things and stuff that, you know, were not acknowledged by any official agency. Uh, I don't know. I just, I didn't get the the motivation of the uh, the character that uh, should not uh, Renee Wilson Mason, her undercover character with the CIA, uh, I, I was like, okay, is she is she for the bad guy? Is she with the bad guy? Is she against the bad guy now? She doesn't want people killed. Uh, I thought it was a murky character that yeah. just uh, lacked definition. It makes it choppy. Yeah. Makes it very choppy. And that's one of those things with those interactions where I felt like it was long. Like there's 15, 20 minutes it probably could have cut with that Ooh. CIA thing. And just have the villain be the villain. He survived. He's undercover in a role working for the U.S. government, but in reality, he's still a Nazi trying to get the dial of destiny. It's all you needed. Simplify it. When she got shot, I was like, holy crap, they killed her off? Yeah, and I because, know it was real. And, and not in a way that's like, oh, no, but right. more in a way like, what was her purpose? Well, then why right. was she in the movie? Yeah, right. yeah, it was, yes. yeah, it was very just filler. Odd. It ended up being filler. Part. Yes. This movie was at least 30 minutes too long. There were people in the theater sleeping uh, in the middle of this film, especially in the middle of this film. Too many locales, too many, you know, uh, scenes. Uh, the cart through the ch- Tangiers, the little motorcycle cart. Uh, as thrilling as that was, probably 30% too long. Well, I'd go way more than that. I'd go like 80%. Yeah. I mean, you... You, you want you, a television show? <laughs> no, eighty percent of that scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it just like it. It just went on and on and on. It, like you've gotten all the thrills out of me already. Now yeah. I'm done. Right. Yeah. They literally could have taken a hard turn, went down a staircase. Oh, had they went had down that, staircase. No, so, so, no, no. I'm saying this could have been the whole scene. They right. could have done a hard turn. And you're like, oh, right. And then down a staircase. And then the comedic relief for that. Couple and apple then, carts being knocked over. Yep. And then him jumping into the next tuck tuck, and that could have been the end of the, that could have been the end of it. Mm-hmm. You're talking three minutes max. You can accomplish all of that and still give the audience the rush and not all of a sudden it's two and a half hours later in the movie. It's barely ending. And you're looking back going, why did it have taken out 45 minutes of this? Her why ex, is it even ex in fiance involved in the chase? Yeah, what what is a waste. That? What's up with that? Total waste yeah. of time. I will say at least the chase scenes that we did get felt more Indiana Jones, at least than crystal skull. So it first was mentioned almost under the breath, but of Indiana Jones' son being killed in the war. Mutt Williams, Shia LaBeouf's character from Crystal Skull, basically retconning his character by killing him off in the war. Do we feel like that was a decent enough explanation? Do we feel like that should have happened? Should have been another thing? Should have been killed off? Are we okay with that? What did we want more from it? Does it explain why he's more commudgeny in the way that he is right now as well? I can take care of this in one sentence. I didn't care. Really? Anything with Crystal Skull, please go away. I understand that you have to, as a filmmaker, at least nod to certain things, right. like regardless of whether it's good or bad. Okay. As an audience member, I do not care. I didn't even remember Shia LaBeouf was in that movie. That's how much I hated that film. That's fair. Right. As a defense mechanism, your mind has washed that out of <laughs> yes. your system. Uh, yeah. I, I also, you know, thought when we find out that he's lost his son and he is not with the love of his life, I'm going. Wow, this sounds a lot like Princess Leia and Han Solo and Kylo Ren and their son. <laughs> like, there was an echo there that I thought, like, this is a little too close. Um, but, you know, it did explain why they were apart, why he was, you know, uh, I guess, 
the curmudgeon that we often associate with the man Harrison Ford instead of the <laughs> character Indiana Jones. Uh, and I do like how you know, they did come full circle and bring Marion back in at the end. Um, you know, that was one of the positives. I, I thought like, wow, that was satisfying. Okay, so I almost was completely out of this film because of the way it almost ended. I was almost just going to completely do a 180. And my point was, because I want to hear what your guys' thoughts are on this, when, spoiler alert, they go back in time to mm -hmm. the Siege of Syracuse, mm -hmm. and Indiana Jones is wanting to stay, even though it will affect history and everything, and he's wanting to stay up until the moment where Helena punches him. I was about to say, if, they, if he stays here and that's the way that we end Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, I am not going to like this movie. I would did not want that to happen. He needed just a send off, even if it's just with Marion or something, be back in his own time, feeling just more relieved and having closure. I was about to dislike the film overall if he had stayed there. What do you guys think of that? Because there's probably multiple versions. Like with the, well, the reshoots, I, I, maybe they had a version. Uh, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the reshoots, right. honestly. Yes. Because they can bring Phoebe Waller Bridge back in, have her do that punch shot, yep. mm -hmm. and then jump cut to back. That's a reshoot. That's easy to do. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know if I would have cared. I would have uh, probably had a problem continuity wise. Well, that's, you know, you don't know me by that. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, say, okay, well, here's the whole thing. I'm going to change history. You're going to do this, all this, you know, butterfly effect, all this stuff. And then you're going to go stay. Like I probably, exactly. I probably would have had a problem with that, but I think overall that would, I, okay, I'll put it this way. It's a relatable way to die because I'm, I understand that he as an archaeologist and as a history professor mm -hmm. or whatever would love the opportunity to stay there, even if it's for five minutes right? and get information. No one else is going to know because he's dead. He's Especially gonna, when he feels like he's alone back home. Right. Right. So it's not like, you know, but, but I, I eventually probably would have settled on, okay, I don't know if I like the history part of that, like, cause you're going to change history. But then, but then I think they changed history anyway. They had the dragons flying around the air. Right. Which right? was on Archimedes' tomb. Right. <laughs> right. So, Which means it was going to happen anyway. Right. Uh, it's the whole time travel thing of how we all look at it. Yeah. yeah. Multiverse uh, or not. As, yeah. A, as, as uh, you know, looking at the people that made this movie, one of the best decisions they made was having her land that punch and take him out of that. Because yeah, I, I was expecting the movie to end that way. So was I. Not that I wanted it to, yep. but I understood. I got, oh, okay, I guess this is where it's going. Because he sold it pretty hard. He did. He did. And I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> and then don't you dare. Whack goes to black, and he's back in present day. And I'm like, I appreciate the twist. It was a sigh of relief for me. It was like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I welcomed the fact that he did not stay in the Siege of Syracuse, not New York. Okay, so there's a lot going on, a lot of opinion. There's so much stuff crammed into a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Uh, Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny, let's do scores. Jeremy Gover. What's really funny about this is my family and I, we're on a very big History's Greatest Mysteries, uh, you know, docu-series, History Channel, you know, whatever, kick right now. And we had just watched, no joke, 48 hours before we went to see this movie, we had just watched the episode of... Nazi hidden treasure. 
the, their theory is that there was a train and the train never reached its destination and it's buried somewhere in blah, 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 blah city. And then all of a sudden we're here watching Indiana Jones and they have this treasure on a train. It was yep. really cool. Not gonna, doesn't matter to anybody else, including you listening, but it's just really funny how we had just watched this. Yeah. And now here's this depiction of kind of a flight of fancy part of that. It's pretty neat. Um, it was I mean, way too long. The movie is far too long. You can shave 45 minutes off this <laughs> without even <laughs> blinking. So, which begs the question, why is Hollywood in such, why is there such an importance in Hollywood, clearly, to make these movies so bloated. I don't understand great question. the desire to, oh, let's give them two hours and 45 minutes. It's like you're trying to check a box of a length as opposed to, okay, what works with the story? Yeah. Whereas in the 70s and 80s, if you go back and watch some of the movies that you and I liked as kids, right, or growing up. Hour or and a half. Hour and a half. And I would argue 20 minutes of that hour and a half is completely unnecessary. <laughs> right. But they just thought it was a funny gag or they wanted to put this thing in or they had this character they thought was cool or this car was really neat that they rented. So they want to use it in the film. All these excuses to just put in. Right. And those were bloated, too. And now we have reasons. A, now we have another 60 minutes on top of that. Yes. Now it's a complete swing, swing of the pendulum. Same reason. Got to keep them bloated. But it's the other side. It's like, OK, now it's 245. I don't understand it. Yeah. It's not like. In like Inception, for example, which was two thirty-five ish, two forty, you needed every second of that. Sure, because one, your brain's got to work on what the hell am I seeing, but also because there's different complicated twists and twi right. It makes sense. Okay, that is the good length of that. This was completely unnecessary. Forty-five minutes of this, right off the top, you can shrink that tuck-tuck race scene down by. Again, 80% probably it accomplished the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. You mentioned too many locales earlier. I said that in the car on the way home. And nobody was, it was a, my wife and son were like, no, I thought it was fine. Okay, fine. You guys think that. But they went from one country to another country. Fine. You have to do that. Then they went to a third country. Then they went to a fourth country. Then they went to a fifth country and then back in time. Okay. The third and fourth country could have been combined into one thing. Absolutely. I understand you need to get to Archimedes tomb and that's in a certain spot in history. I get that. But the two locations in the middle, you don't need to just combine them. Oh, Why yes, are you yeah. making it so long? And under, okay, I'm going on a tangent here. The bottom line is I didn't mind the de-aging of Harrison Ford. I actually bought in probably about a minute in. I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. Again, was it perfect? No, but I didn't have a problem with it. Unlike Christopher Reeve, in, in the flash, the flash, yeah, I had a big problem with that, and it was only on, only on camera for ten seconds. He looked terrible. Yeah, if okay, that, yeah, yeah. So Phoebe Waller Bridge is tremendous, and I would not mind at all. Disney, please don't hear me though. I would not mind her picking up the mantle for an Indiana Jones type spinoff. They might have been setting that up. She was great, and I would mm -hmm. watch it, and I would give it another chance. Mm -hmm. If it's a crystal skull, I'll never come back. But I will give it another <laughs> chance. My score is a five. Right down the middle. Super enjoyable, meaning I it redeemed itself. It redeemed the whole saga yep. from the Crystal Skull. And I enjoyed the film for the most part, but it was so long, unnecessarily, that I have to take off huge points for that. They did a disservice to the movie by making it so bloated, unnecessarily, 5.5. So certified rotten from Jeremy Gover. Ooh. All right, Justin based Bradford. on your scale, we talked about this. Before. Yeah, no, I'm just saying if I it's if it's at a five, that's that's yeah. considered rotten. I five point five is what I meant. Sorry, I know I said five. I meant five point five. Okay, 
Extra half point. Yeah. A little better. Right. The storytelling felt way more classic Indiana Jones. They did travel to a lot of locations, but I did like finally seeing, you know, the the travel map as well, too, the graphic with that, because it was classic again. Yeah. Yet updated a little bit. Yet updated. Yes, yet updated. And we got the feel of what is it like for Indiana Jones to live more in modern times where there's television, Mm -hmm. (laughs) where there's all different kinds of things going on. I felt like there was actually a lot of people that were killed in this movie too. There was a lot of death. Yeah. Like fellow professor, a secretary at the college. Like there was a lot of crime. He's framed for murder, which I think was just kind of undersold overall at the sure. end to kind of bring back everything. Like, okay, so how did he get off the hook? Like what what did they prove? They probably got lost in the reshoots. Somewhere. Honestly. Somewhere. Right. So I think there are, like Jim said earlier, there are plot holes in the film overall. But when I'm looking at this of what does it do to the franchise, is it a proper send-off? I feel like they overall did that properly. With Harrison Ford, with his age, I feel like the action sequences they had him involved in, I think they fit it well to not try to overdo it for his age. They made it fair for what someone his character's age could do. And even talking about him being old when climbing up the wall sure. with yeah. the Waller Bridge, they addressed that. Screws in his body yeah. right. being shot nine times. Right. They didn't make it look like, oh, he's just a superhuman. No, he is a normal dude that knows how to fight a little bit, but he's old and he's been injured and shot. And he's fighting so through times. it. Yeah, so I do like how they addressed that. It made it more realistic and mm-hmm. believable instead of faking it through that, well, he's Indiana Jones. He can do anything. He can't. So Phoebe Waller-Bridge had to take on the mantle of so many of those superhero type of things that yeah. typical Indiana would, which I feel like is where they could bridge some things together because she wasn't the damsel in distress. Yep. She wasn't the love interest. She's an adventurer herself, which I liked so much more to have them working off each other. It's long. For me, I feel like it was about 20 minutes too long. So not go over 45, but yes, it was still too long for me because I was almost checked my watch a few times. Like, they've got to be wrapping this up, right? Yep, yeah. Um, so there are a few moments. I liked that the, the epilogue, basically, of the film was not overly done or too long. I was waiting for it to be just another 15, 20 minutes of epilogue. They wrapped that sucker up pretty quick once they finally got to it, but everything, mm-hmm. the meat in between was too long. With that, I give it a 6.5. Very interesting. I really had a lot of thrills in this movie. So while there's problems I have with the movie, uh, I think almost every one of them could be solved with a digital razor blade in the editing process. So I'm going to take at least 30 minutes out of this movie. Uh, I am going to shave a bunch of characters out. I'm going to take out, uh, you know, Wombat's, you know, fiance, Mm -hmm. jilted fiance. Uh, I'm going to get rid of the CIA. Um, There, there's just so many things that were just completely unnecessary. You could have streamlined this movie. And and so like, in a way, I'm a little disappointed because I'm, I'm thinking like, wow, your score, you could have, I mean, you could have hit an eight for me. Uh, for so many things that you did right um, and how easily you could have gotten there just by less is more. Uh, So take some scenes out, take some characters out, take some unnecessary things out. And uh, you know, you, you have a, a movie that's just, I think gave me the fun of Indiana Jones. I haven't had in decades. Uh, So I hate, to give it as low as a 6.5, but that's what I'm going to give it. I, I'm happier mm-hmm. because I've seen this movie. I'm happier with the resolution that they gave it, uh, but it could have been an eight. They really could have done something. Um, it just took somebody with some discipline and take some stuff out. More is not always better. So let me ask you a question. Is that the director James Mangold's fault or is that the writing? 
Whose fault is it? Uh, possibly uh, editing by committee. Yeah, I think it's editing by committee because James Mangold is a good director. He you is. Look at, well, you look at his work. Yeah. I yes. think this is Disney, Mangold, producers, so many different hats being worn because they know there's pressure with this. So it's almost they did so much, try to put too much in this, try to make it awesome that they added way too much. For those that don't know, he did Ford vs. Ferrari. These are all directed. Ford vs. Ferrari. Yep. Night and Day, 310 to Yuma, Walk the Line, Girl Interrupted. These are all Logan. Logan. Quality. These are all quality movies. movies. Yeah. He's a good director and i really think this is the first one that was not done by steven spielberg and to, to credit him for giving us the spielberg feel uh i mean he did a great job he did i felt it it felt more spielberg than crystal skull yes well yeah so, <laughs> i know low bar but that's what we're looking for right this is more steven spielberg than <laughs> crystal skull <laughs> Untitled Film Project Podcast, Big Question Time. It has something to do with the Dial of Destiny. Big question is, if you could go back in time and witness any historical event, knowing that you would not change that historical event with you being present, what would you want to witness? Jeremy Gover. Mine was really easy. The second this question came up, I knew what my answer was going to be. The assassination of John F. Kennedy. <sighs> that you want to witness the horror? Yes, because there's so much intrigue over if there was a gunshot from the grassy knoll, or how many shots were there? Was you Oswald the, really in the uh, in the window from the book depository? Did he actually get away? Was it a, the, there's so much craziness involved in the story and the lore of that one day, and there's only this Zapruder tape, basically, mm-hmm. right that that has documented it, and of course he goes behind a, a traffic sign. The exact frame that the bullet hits. I mean, it's just unreal. So many mysteries. Right. So I would love to be there for my own personal knowledge of not necessarily what actually happened because there's so much going on from different directions, but I could at least concentrate on the grassy knoll. Just for example. I mean, okay, I'm just going to watch this. I know this shot's going to come from here, at least one. Whether it hits them or not is not my concern. I just want to focus on the grassy knoll. And I could sit there and watch that, and I could at least decipher if there was another shooter. Now, I'd probably be offed five minutes later by the government, but <laughs> sure. at the end of the day, that's what I would want to, I, if I could go back but, any place in history. But you'd know who was behind it I could, by who killed you. That's right. And much like Indiana Jones, <laughs> who wanted to stay in Archimedes' time, he just wanted to do it because he, even though nobody would, sh- he wouldn't be able to share his knowledge. He just wanted, as a, as a historian, to yep. just soak up that knowledge personally. It's the same thing. I would go back to JFK's assassination, Dallas, and sit on that grassy knoll and just watch it like a hawk. And maybe then we wouldn't really need to know what's on page 47 of the Book of Secrets. That's correct. Right, yes, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Going back in time as a fly on the wall, what moment in history would you witness, Justin Bradford? Okay, I have three real quick hits. Okay. It's my question, so I get to do that. You do, that's true. <laughs> you get the freedom. Okay, first one would be July 16th, 1969. That is the launch of Apollo 11. Mm. I love to be there knowing that this is the crew launching now that is going to set foot on on the moon for the first time and then to be able to just watch it on tv with other people to just that get that feel of what people are thinking and feeling in the moment july 20th 1969 when they finally 
set foot on the moon for the first time. I think those two moments in history would be just fantastic to witness and to be around other people to feel that mm-hmm. what they're, in terms of witnessing history. The other one would be a sports moment for me, mm-hmm. February 22nd, 1980. I knew it. Known as the miracle on ice to be in Lake Placid to witness the United States of America be in the Soviet Union and hockey would be absolutely tremendous to just be there because you think the rest of the country didn't know for some time because yeah. things were delayed. Several hours. Yeah. Several hours. Did not know what happened in that incredible moment. I'd love to be there to witness that sports moment. Yeah, they shocked the world. I, when I was thinking about this, uh, I, I don't know, I guess maybe I was getting a little artsy and I was getting a little sentimental. But uh, I think I would like to go back to the time when Leonardo da Vinci was painting the Mona Lisa. That would tell me, one, who is she? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what is she smiling about? So, I mean, like, those are the kinds of questions that people have been plagued with now for centuries. And, you know, maybe I could then take that knowledge and, uh, you know, go into the Louvre and, you know, while everybody's staring at what is that (laughs) tiny little painting inside the museum. Yeah, I know who that is. Yeah, I know what she was talking about. He wasn't wearing pants. That's why she's smiling. You know, I, I whatever, I'd, I'd be that annoying guy. I mean, generative AI has showed like what the rest of the painting would look like. So, <laughs> there's a Dollar General in the background, right? <laughs> This has been the Untitled Film Project Podcast. What moment in history would you love to go back and witness and be a fly on the wall for? Uh, Tell us. We'd love to hear about it. And uh, you can also tell us uh, why we're uh, so right, or more likely, (laughs) so wrong about our reviews for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Hit us up, untitledfilmprojectpod.com. You can follow us on social media, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. We love the interaction. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett.